friends! You're listening to Hotel Vicarious, a podcast where two friends talk about all of their favorite TV shows and movies. This week, we are having a very special episode in honor of Halloween, and we are talking about our favorite movie, Practical Magic. We've been having some like wicked storms here on the East Coast. Yes, here so too. So I've, oh, that's right. We're both technically on the same coast. You're more coasty than me, but yes. <laughs> um, but it has just been like gloomy and thundery and lightningy, and it's yeah. like, oh, it's so hard to be productive in that weather. But I just love it so much. Oh, me too. I have like had to wear a sweater every day, and I am just like, yeah, <laughs> just love it. Yeah, and I, I'm having a hard time with days already. Like, I went away this weekend um, to D.C. to visit my best friend, and it was like a full weekend of walking around and drinking and eating and, like, pretending like I live in a city again. And I, like, <laughs> feel like I don't even know what day it is right now. Like, my body is still, like, Honey, you're old. Like, just let it go. Like, stop. <laughs> yes, I understand completely. Um, I was also away this weekend in Seattle with some of my friends, and it was kind of great because it feels like life is kind of returning to some sort of new normal. Yes. Like, we were still fully masked every, pretty much everywhere we went. Um, you know, and we were all, we're all back, double vaccinated and everything. Um, but it was like being in public in places like we were in Seattle. So we went to Pike's Market and like, it was busy. Like it was, it was, there was a lot of people, (laughs) but, um, but it still felt okay. Like a lot of people were wearing masks. I was very surprised. Um, the mask mandate in Seattle is mm, chef's kiss. Uh, it is great. (laughs) Like, we went to um, the All Blacks versus the USA Eagles rugby game, um, and it was so nice to see people wearing masks. It's just, like, such a comfort that people are still sort of taking it seriously, and it makes me feel so much better, like, being out in public. Oh, yeah. You can't pretty go pretty much anywhere inside in Seattle without wearing a mask. And as of yesterday, you have to have uh, your vaccination status to go into most restaurants. Yeah, same in D.C., which is really nice. It was great. It was really fun. Um, we, we got to go to a couple restaurants. Um, we went to the Museum of Pop Culture. I got to see Ooh. Mulder and Scully's badges. Ah, yes. my loves. That was pretty awesome. I also got to see some swords from Lord of the Rings. What? Yep, they had all of the swords from Lord of the Rings. And, yeah, they had, um, what else did they have? They had some stuff from Game of Thrones, like some dragon glass, I think, the dragon glass sword. And they had, like, the prosthetic makeup for one of the White Walkers. And it is, like, even more ugly and terrifying, like, right up in person. (laughs) Um, It is real scary. Uh, So that was really fun. And, yeah, it was just great to be around people and that are, like, you know, who get you. Your, and your people. Your people, your people, yeah. Yeah, there's something so 
I don't know, like reinvigorating when you get to just like have a drink yeah. with one of your girlfriends and like yes. talk about everything and nothing and you just feel so good afterwards. Yeah, for sure. That's exactly what it was. It was it was really amazing. It was an amazing trip that we all really needed. So yeah, it was it was really fun and now back to life and reality and <laughs> Yeah, I know. I feel like every week we're sort of just like, life is hard. I know. (laughs) Working is hard. I know. I know. But like, you know, it is. And uh, just that's that's it. I know. But then we get like little nuggets here and there of things that bring us joy. You know, like The Last Kingdom is getting a movie. Woohoo! Dude, I am so happy about this news. Like, I, I didn't think that this was, like, a gift that we were going to be given. Oh, no, I, really I just fully thought... mocked and laughed at people who were writing those change.org <laughs> petitions. So I fully eat crow and apologize to the fans of The Last Kingdom. Um, mm-hmm. Your sacrifice does not go unnoticed. <laughs> so we are quite happy. Uh, the movie is going to start filming next year for release sometime in 2023. I believe the title is Seven Kings Must Die. Which is like wicked hardcore dramatic. I'm like very into it. Yeah, um, I know I've already seen lots of theorizing um, on the interwebs um, about who are the seven kings or what do they represent. And um, so it'll be very interesting to see sort of what they do. And I also heard that Alexander Draymon is executive producing the movie. <gasps> oh, I'm so yeah. proud of him. I know. Um, Which I, is like such a creepy thing to say because I don't know him. But like he's directed an episode yeah. for season five. Now he's producing. Like very exciting. Yeah, it's great. Um, I'm not sure who the director is. I know it was announced by just don't remember off the top of my head but so they announced it sunday i guess at the mcm comic con and yeah it's pretty exciting i they haven't said who is going to be in it and i think that's intentional um given the fact that we don't know who is unfortunately going to bite the i was gonna say bite the bullet but there's no guns so bite the end of a sword in uh in the upcoming season that is hopefully airing sometime early next year so we will see. But nevertheless, it's very exciting. I mean, I have my hopes and dreams for who's going to make it into the movie. But like, I'm just glad I'm getting another like few hours with Uhtred of Bebenberg. I know. So there is still a couple of books that will go past where season five ends. So I assume that perhaps... Book, I think, 11, 12, and 13 could be wrapped up into this movie, and that would end Bernard Cornwell's series, right? It would it would end his Saxon series. God, how much old man makeup do you think we're going to have to look at? I don't any? think we're going to have to look at any. So. I mean, they, they don't look very old in the promo shots I've seen from season five. No, they just look like a very, you know, yeah, nice 45. But... You know, a movie is very short, so it has a little bit more, you know, more money can go towards special (laughs) effects and makeup. So who knows? We might get 
We may get Uhtred looking, you know, at least 20 years older. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. The ageless Viking warrior. Yeah. Exactly. Speaking of Vikings and costumes, it's almost Halloween. It is almost I Halloween. I know. What was your favorite costume when you were a child? Oh my god. So, well... I have, like, my favorite costume from when I was, like, a child, and then I have, like, my favorite costume from when I was in college. Okay. Because college, I was, like, way more into Halloween, I think, actually. And it's funny because, I mean, Halloween's always been my favorite holiday, but, like, when you're 12 or 13, like, a costume is a costume. It can right. be, like, I think one year I put on, like, some suspenders and I was, like, a gangster. <laughs> um... <laughs> I was a witch probably every few years. I was uh, Winifred Sanderson. I love it. With my two best friends. We all had these like beautiful capes that my friend Bridget's mom hand sewed for us. Oh my gosh. Um, So that was really cool. But in college, I had a very good friend at the time who was like super into special effects makeup. He actually does that professionally now in LA. And me and a few of my friends all had the idea to be dead Disney princesses. Oh, cool. So I was Snow White, who died from the apple, from the poison apple. So I was sort of like a, like, zombie-ish Snow White. Okay. And um, he broke my nose with makeup, and I had, like, vomit coming out of my mouth. Oh, my God. It was, like, relish mixed with, like, fake blood. Oh, my God. And I just... You couldn't go near me. I was covered in fake blood, and I, like, ripped up the dress. No one would, like, even come within five feet of me because I just was covered in in guck. But, um... That's amazing. That's my favorite. And I had a friend who was, like, super into photography at the time, so there's photos of me just, like, standing in front of a tree in the dark. Just standing in a tree in the dark looking scary as shit. So that (laughs) is my favorite Halloween memory, for sure. I, I love it. That is awesome. What about you? Oh gosh, um, it was no, it's no surprise to anyone that I was like super extra when it came to costumes from like the time I was little until always. It's only since I've had a a child of my own that I haven't dressed up for Halloween, like, because we used to have Halloween parties, like pre-children, but I don't know, like so many. Like one year I went as like a radio, like it was like a box. And I took my dad old speak. I went as like a boom box, but like the, it was like huge. It was like an act, and it was like at least, because we lived in the country then. My parents would drive us to houses to go trick or treating, so like I had to take it on and off every time we went into the car. So that's <laughs> ridiculous. I think probably my favorite one is probably actually from when I was out of school, but childless I went, <laughs> I went as Marie Antoinette and, yeah and I did like the hair and everything I had a piece of cardboard on my head and like pulled the hair up over it and powdered it and yeah so that was pretty and I tried <laughs> attempted to make a like 18th century outfit but uh yeah it was it was fun so I mean, this makes so much sense knowing what I know about you. It's true. What can I say? I love a corset. I mean, 
You look good in one. So <laughs> right? Like, Thank you. Thank you. Why not just like somehow weasel a corset into like every outfit possible? Right. I know. It's true. You know. Uh, I know. I think the thing is like you can't really go. If you go as Jane Austen, no one knows who you are. <laughs> so you got to go as right. someone like real famous. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just like a, a pretty girl with like bangs. Right. Exactly. <laughs> in like a pajama dress. Yeah. It's like <laughs> nice nightgown. <laughs> We are actually going to a Halloween party this weekend at a friend's. And I haven't like been to a Halloween party in a, obviously in a few years because of yeah. the pandemic. Yes. But like yeah. I feel like I haven't properly dressed up in a while and I'm going as Kiki from Kiki's Delivery Service. Awesome. And I'm so excited. Yes. I cannot wait to see that. I can't wait to like put it together. I should probably work on that because the party's Saturday, so <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I think my child is going as a witch. She decided we went to Spirit Halloween, and I can't yes. say no. She couldn't go trick or treating last year, so of course, this year it was like, oh, can I have this? Oh, can I have this? And I just said yes to everything. <laughs> so she's got the whole ensemble: the dress, the hat, the the wand, the broom. The it's all here. So, oh, she got you good. Oh, she got me real good. Like, real good. Of course, it was also, like, the d- two days before I was going on my trip without her. So she was like, I'm going to miss you so much, Mom. Can I have all these things? And, of course, I said yes. Because I'm a sucker. You know, it's been a tough, tough, tough year. Why, why not? You know? No big. Exactly. So, speaking of witches. Oh, I love that little Thank smooth you. intro. Thank you. We are talking about the cult classic, the beloved, iconic, legendary, practical magic. Yes. This movie is just, I mean, we both deeply love it. Yes. Like, it's inherent in who we are, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, It has been formative for us in many mm-hmm. ways. And, you know, I just think when we were talking about what Halloween movie we were going to do, it just seemed sort of like a no-brainer. Oh, God, yeah. Give us an opportunity to spend an hour talking about practical magic. It's like, it's what we've been working up to. So, Daria, why don't you give our listeners a little summary if they have not seen the movie or if it's been many years? Yes. Okay, so... Practical Magic is the film adaptation of Alice Hoffman's 1995 novel of the same name. It follows two sisters who truly could not be more different than one another, Sally and Jillian Owens, and they come from a long, long line of witches. But neither of them are exactly experts. When Jillian's vicious boyfriend, Jimmy Angelov, dies unexpectedly, the Owens sisters dive right into their grimoire to bring him back to life. Unfortunately, he's an even more violent dick in zombie form, and so Sally kills him. With Jimmy missing, Detective Gary Hallett comes to their sleepy little New England town to investigate, and Sally realizes she just can't lie to him. It's a quirky, odd, beautiful film about love and sisterhood and the journeys you can find yourself on after dealing with trauma and abuse and grief. Yes. And it's just, I think it's like my favorite movie of all time, maybe. It really Maybe is. Maybe like top five. It is. It is by far one of my favorite movies. But it was not everyone's favorite movie uh, when it was first released in 1998. No, it was not. Revisiting the Rotten Tomatoes page was like, woo! 
a big eye-opener, because... It was shocking to me, though. It was honestly shocking. I mean, I knew it didn't do great. Even, like, way back then, I knew it didn't do great, but I was really surprised at the discrepancy in percentage versus of the, you know, critic view versus the audience view. It's a phenomenon, too, that I find really fascinating because there are some movies that are on Rotten Tomatoes that have, like, a really low critic score and then have a really strong audience score. And I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. Like, I fucking love that movie. It's the best. And then you see the movies that have, like, a really high critic score and a really low audience score. I mean, you know, it's hard to take that stuff seriously, uh, especially when you read the reviews. Like, we pulled some up. And they're just... Even the good ones are bad. Yeah, it's like, I don't... Do they even know what they're watching? (laughs) I just feel like a lot of these reviews are based in deep misogyny or internalized misogyny, but we don't have to get too deep into that. Well, it's it's one of those things where it's really interesting, right? Like, every single review that, that we've sort of seen, whether it's good, like, whether it's rotten or fresh, they talk about the, like, shifting tone where it goes from being scary yeah. to funny to romantic, romantic yeah. to thriller to supernatural. Yes. It's like they they think that this movie doesn't know what it wants to be, whereas I find that it's just sort of following the, like, natural path of what real life is. You have your moments that are deeply horrifying yeah. and deeply funny and deeply romantic. Like, that's sort of like a normal... Like, that's normal. That's just how the world is. is. There is room in life for multiple themes. No no one's life is is always funny or always horror or always romantic. There's shades of all of it. And, you know, I think much like many romance novels, and we've talked about it a little bit, you know, in previous episodes, how we're both big fans of romance novels and the genre – and I've ranted at length on my Twitter about it, you know, is that, God forbid, a woman have a life and a story that ends with her being happy. And maybe she's in love. Like, God forbid, what a terrible ending to a movie for someone to be happy at the end of it. Yeah, I'm looking at one review in particular from Mark Caro from the Chicago Tribune. And it says, for all its celebration of female power, Practical Magic can't come up with any greater mission for Sally and Jilly than to land the perfect man. The romance is only one aspect of the film, first of all. Yeah, it's not a romantic film. Yeah, it just happens to have a romantic subplot. And also, like, what is wrong? With wanting to find someone to be in love with. And specifically for Sally, who starts off the movie deeply against love. Yeah, not wanting to fall in love with anyone. Exactly. Yeah, this is a natural progression for her character in adulthood, is to find a love that's worth, you know, having. And and, and I love how the derision in that quote from that review is like oh the perfect man like perfect does not exist and you should not want perfect it's like uh, no one is perfect but you can certainly have your standards you can have standards you can have you can be fulfilled by a relationship and be happy in one no no one is perfect not even sally and jillian 
So it's just like such a, I, I just, the reviews are just nonsensical to me in the fact that the people who wrote them don't understand how real women live and love. Yes. A hundred percent. It's, and it's, I mean, again, we were so young when the movie came out that I think it's hard for us to envision uh, a period where it wasn't like the cult classic that it kind of is now. Yes. But like, damn, it just really seems like they missed the point. Yeah. I I do kind of feel like that. I do feel like they kind of just didn't, I don't know, I just, like, even, okay, even this one from Caroline, I think her name is Framick, from Vox, and this was a review that came not in 2000, but from most of the reviews are in 2000, this one came from 2019. She says, however many stories that movie that the movie tries to tackle from Alice Hoffman's original novel, the moments that have lived beyond Practical Magic's expected expiration date celebrate sisterhood with a fierce heart and love that blazes across cities. So, like, that's great. That's a good review of the movie, I would say. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's, it's very few and far between. And I think you're right. It's, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but it's kind of part of when the movie sort of existed culturally. Yes. Yes. It is. God, it's just one of those movies that, you know, when I think back to the very first time I saw it, it just gave me such a, like, sense of longing. Is that a a, a funny thing to say? Like, it just created such a beautiful world that, like, even for all of the darker parts about it, I was like, that seems you, like a really interesting place to you be. Still like, wanna I want to be there. there. You still want to live there. You still yeah. want to be part of that. And whether it's like the magic aspect or the, you know, the family aspect or like the sisterhood aspect, there's always, there's something that draws you in and makes you want to be part of that universe. Yeah. And I mean, even to be sort of surface level, just the visual like the aesthetics of the film are so spot on. Yes. You feel a warmth when you like start watching. I mean, the community, the the house. I mean, we could spend 18 years talking about the house. The house is like a character all on its own. I am just <laughs> all on in its love own. With. The fashion, the hair, the like the makeup which is so dialed back, you can hardly tell they're wearing it. Mhm. I mean, everything. It's just the soundtrack by Alan Silvestri is just gorgeous. Yes. So it's like, for me, every time the intro plays, I'm like, that's it. That's my vibe. Yeah, like, that's yeah, my movie. Yep. Totally agree. I know. What were your, like, when we talk about what we love about this movie, what were your, like, favorite moments? Well, one of the things I had written down was the house itself. Like, I just love every part of it. I love... I love the witchiness of it. I love, you know, all of their herbs and their dried, you know, dried flowers and all of the, the bottles and the, like, just all the accoutrements that it's just, I oh, love Oh, the greenhouse that. is just, yeah, ugh. the greenhouse is just, like, I just love that whole, you know, and just the whole house itself. It's just such a beautiful, just such a beautiful house. And then, and just to keep going on that witchy stuff, I love what... Back when I first saw the movie, like way back, and I, I probably would have seen it 
between 1998 and 2000, like in, in somewhere in around that range. And before that, you know, I had, I had been deeply obsessed with the movie Now and Then with Christina Ricci and Devin Sawa. Yes. And this was just like a natural progression into what makes Jenny Jenny. And, <laughs> and I just really loved the whole witchy vibe and like, you know, the curses and the spells and like that was, I just loved all of that and definitely was formative for me in many ways. And then I think like the, one of the, like, it's so, I mean, I know some people find it cheesy, but it's just like one of my favorite parts in the movie that just makes me go, is when he says, I wished for you too. Listen, there is no greater romantic moment than that moment. Cause he's like, this is more than just some magic spell. Like that, this goes beyond that. And like, who, I know. God, who doesn't want that declaration? I know from a guy who like is clearly not sort of like, yeah, he's a man of science. He's a (laughs) non-believer. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I just, I just loved that. What about you? Oh God, I think there's just so many. I I think, I think what I love about practical magic is that it's, It shows you the darker things. It shows you the darker parts of life, but it doesn't shy away from showing you the brighter parts of life. So I think one of my favorite scenes, because God, how can it not be one of your favorite scenes, is the midnight margarita scene. Yes. And what I love about that is that even though (laughs) shit is crazy, even though Sally and Jillian have been through some, like, deeply traumatic experiences, even though they're probably being haunted by a man in their backyard. Like, they still are sort of, like, they're taking that moment just to celebrate themselves and to celebrate each other and to just have, like, one fucking, like, margarita and reprieve and, like, just enjoying themselves for the night. And I I think that that's, like, such an important part of the movie. And, yes, yes it, it is, is tonally a little off from what we've seen so far but like man sometimes you just gotta let go and like let it all out and that's what that scene really is I and I think that part of that and part of why people didn't like it was because we have this sort of sick part of society that doesn't like people to be happy when they think that they should be traumatized. Yeah. And they can't understand that people who are traumatized can still be happy and still find mm-hmm. joy. They want them to be traumatized all the time with all of their trauma so that they can enjoy watching them be in trauma. Yeah, it's this idea of, like, being the perfect victim. Yeah. You know, and if you're not grieving and mourning and reacting the way that I expect you to be, then you're clearly not, it wasn't that bad. Right. Exactly. Like it wasn't that horrible. Right. So yeah. And I think that is just, I think that's where some of this, you know, problems with the tone of the movie and it's, sh- it's shifting. And I think that's where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think my other favorite scene is when they enact the phone tree Ugh. and all of the women in town come to the house to help Jillian. I, listen, this movie is about family, sisterhood, community. It's about loss, abuse. 
And it's about the way people care about each other and the way they come out for each other and the way they support each other. And, yeah. you know, even though the town has this, like, completely irrational issue with the Owens. Yeah. They can still relate. They've all kind of had yeah. their own moments with men and mm-hmm. and with children that sort of helped them see that, like, Sally and Jillian and Jet and Franny, they're all just like them. Exactly. Like, they're really not that much different when no. you look, you know, really closely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I pretty much just cry now through the entire movie. I know. I think that's where I am in my life. <laughs> Honestly, though, and shout out to Margot Martindale, who... I love yes. with a deep passion and I had actually forgotten she was in the movie and she just pops up and I'm just like, yeah, Margot Martindale character actor. Oh my God. She's, She's so, good. so good. There's never a movie that I have seen where I did not love her and she was one of my favorite characters in the movie. And she has the best line. Yeah. When they finally get rid of. Yes. Yes. <laughs> his ghost and she just goes let's clean house i know that, like, i know it's perfect margo martindale voice it really is so good it gets me every time i don't know if you've i'm just gonna go on a small tiny tangent but um i don't know if you have seen the movie the holler Mm-mm. it was it's um i think it was john krasinski one of his first um movies that he directed and it's about um, a guy who returns to his small hometown um, after learning that his mother has fallen ill and she's about to undergo surgery. And Margot Martindale plays John Krasinski's mother. And it is such a good movie. Like, it, John Krasinski is so good in it. Um, all the actors are, Richard Jenkins plays his dad. Um, oh, I love him. Yeah. <laughs> um, who else is in it? Uh, Charlie Day is in it. Anna Kendrick is in it. Uh, it's just, it's such a great movie. Randall Park is in it and he is hilarious as well. Love him. Yeah. yeah. So it's, there's, it's, I just highly recommend it. Um, if you really love Margot Martindale, um, she is, she is some of her best work in this movie. It is a joy to watch. So highly recommend. I will add it to my list. I love her. Wow. So... I think what's so interesting about this movie is that despite the critical response initially, it has clearly built a pretty massive audience. I mean, when we talk about this movie, it's not like you and I are the only ones who love it. I mean, almost every, almost every woman I know, and some men, of course, they love this movie. Like, I, I get a very, like, visceral reaction from people when I tell them, like, oh, I love Practical Magic. They're like, yeah the best fucking movie of all time like that house Nicole Kidman's hair yeah like it's all you know it's like (laughs) yeah it's the only thing people want to talk about yeah absolutely so it's amazing to think that like now 22 20 20 ish years later it has it, it still has so many uh fans and is still talked about pretty regularly and yeah and still has a like pretty lasting impact yes I mean God, how many times on Twitter do you see that, like, what do women want? They want the house for practical magic. Like, it's yes, just been this, exactly. like, lifelong yeah. dream. It was a meme before for... memes were things. Okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, and I think it resonates in particular with, like, Gen X and millennial women. Absolutely. Like, it's just, yep. 
It's our movie. It is. And I think, like, some, I think some Gen Z, it's slowly coming around to it as well. Um, so I think it's, I, that's why I feel like it's just so timeless. It's such a timeless, like, witchy, great movie to watch at Halloween. You know, and also, you know, if you think about, there's a couple of familiar faces in, in some of those characters that, you know, have gone pretty far. Evan Rachel Wood playing one of Sandra Bullock's children and Mm -hmm. uh, Camilla Bell actually playing the young Sally um, Sandra Bullock's Bullock's character so yeah it was really it was funny because again I had forgotten that you know that those that they were in the movie especially Evan Rachel Wood I was so surprised to see her when I rewatched it she's so good I know she is she does a great job she does a great job I yeah, I I think that there's so much to still love and it still resonates, frankly, I think with things going on. You know, it's funny today. It's funny that you say that because I was talking to my husband about it and he was asking if like did was it one of cuz it's an older movie, you know, it's 20 something years old. He was asking, you know, was it is it a movie that, you know, could be solved if everyone had a cell phone? And the thing is no. The things there was, it is, you could take that movie and with a couple of tiny tweaks, absolutely set it in 2021 and it would still resonate exactly the same. Yeah, because I think at its core, the conflict is something that a lot of women deal with, right? Yeah, absolutely. Love and loss, and unfortunately, abuse. Yeah, and looking for love, you know, in sadly sometimes the wrong spot, you know? Yeah. And and just, and the ramifications of that. Yes. There is an article that we'll link in the notes because even four years later, it still totally, totally hits on, like, everything we're talking about Mm -hmm. by Alana Bennett, and she says this like god I could actually just read you the whole article because it's so beautiful but I won't because that's psychotic but she writes that practical magic weaves a story about domestic abuse and the labyrinthian road that often comes with extricating yourself from a bad situation it's beautiful that the film also gets to be at the same damn time a full-hearted earnest romance as Sally and Gary keep finding themselves drawn to each other in spite of their star-crossed circumstances, the film gets back to the breath Jimmy tried to steal from it. Both sides of the movie are treated as important, as worthy, because they are. Practical Magic is not interested in showing us the pain, without also showing us that, complicated as the journey may be, there is still life left to be lived on the other side of that hurt. There is still love to be felt. Yes. Like, could not have summed it up better. (laughs) It truly is. It's like everything that you need it to be in terms of dealing with those topics. Because you get to see the real, the realities of what those relationships look like. And then you kind of get to see them build themselves back up after it. Yeah, absolutely. And when I think back to that guy's critique about how at the end it's about finding that perfect man... Well, for Jillian, it's not. It's about her finding peace and safety and, like, self-respect. And, like, the movie ends with her single. Exactly. Which I think is super powerful. Yeah. It, it, it kind of does the exact opposite, um, you know, is that it, it's about 
finding herself, you know, and for Sally, it's, it's not about finding the perfect man. It's about allowing herself to love again after she's dealt with the absolute horror, horrific trauma of losing her husband. Yeah. You know, it's not about a perfect man. It's about, it's about allowing yourself to love again, you know? So I just, yeah, I, I really, um, no words. That's all. Alana has described it perfectly. It's true. Though you have me thinking about what it would be like if it came out now. Like, I think a lot of the, uh dislike for the movie back in 1998 definitely you know speaks to the time period I think a little bit oh absolutely and maybe also the general public's understanding of like romance as a genre and like what that entails Mm -hmm. um because I don't know about you but I've never ever read a romance book that didn't sort of move effortlessly between different tropes and different genres lighter moods darker moods like to me that is like i mean that's natural. that is a romance novel it is yeah you're going to get all you're going to get all of it you know and yeah you're some you're going to get where the theme is you know historical and so you're going to get but but there's still there's still funny moments in historicals coupled with dark moments in historicals that are still like in a funny historical like that's the thing is like like you said romance novels romance movies they're all based on that two people come together, everything tries to hold them apart, and at the end, it still works. Yeah. There will be funny moments, there will be dark moments, there will be romantic moments, and that people, especially in the early aughts, had a real hard time getting their head around that. There was a lot of derision for ro- romance, I I believe, in, in the early aughts, um, and a little bit longer and it still persists today um well, that's why we've had such a drought in the ro- like the rom-com genre and it's only recently starting to come back absolutely i agree you know and thank every single one of the writers in the romance genre who are just out there giving the people what they need what they love what they want and damn anyone else and any other genre that says otherwise because We'd be lost without them. Uh, and so would the publishing industry. I was just going to say, no one else would get published, because we all know that romance, the romance genre is the sugar mama to publishing. <laughs> I love that, the sugar mama. Uh, but yeah, I think, I do think that the tides would turn a little bit if the movie were to come out now in a good way. I think the response would be way more positive. I think, absolutely. you know... The audiences would definitely be kinder to it. And, you know, speaking of, and again, I don't know exactly what this is going to look like, but HBO Max has talked about coming out with a prequel series based on Alice Hoffman's prequel book, The Rules of Magic, which dives into the life of Franny and Jet when they were young women living in New York City. Wow, that would be amazing. And I, I think I've talked a little bit before about how much I love Alice Hoffman. I think she is probably one of my favorite writers. Mm-hmm. She just has a way of, like, totally taking you on this, like, ridiculous uh, journey yeah, of absolutely. just beauty. 
But it's also funny to think about because the movie is quite different from the book. Yes. So I wonder if the series will be more based on the books or if they'll try and somehow make it match up with the movie a little bit Mm -hmm. for like continuity's sake. But either way, I would love more of the Owens family. Yeah, that would be amazing. So good. And I would love if Evan Rachel Wood played one of the sisters. Oh, yes. That would be so perfect. Yeah, I don't think the actress that played Antonia is still acting, so I couldn't really, you know, yeah. see her coming back, yeah. but Camilla Bell could be great, too. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Now I just want to watch the movie again. It was really Even though good. I've watched it, like, five times in the last three weeks. It was weeks. so good. It was so, 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 so good. <sighs> oh, my God. All right, well, now that we've talked about our, our favorite cult classic movie. I gotta be honest, when I think about the thing that I can't stop thinking about, try and say that like 10 times fast, (laughs) we saw Dune this weekend. We did. And we loved it. We really loved it. And I've never really been on the Timothy Chalamet train, but like, I get it now. Oh yeah. I, I have been publicly vocal about not enjoying his presence in movies that I hold dear to my heart. <clears throat> Little Women. However, <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, Paul could get it, probably. <laughs> I mean, okay, to be completely honest, in a movie with Oscar Isaac and Jason Momoa, I, I, Timothy Chalamet comes a little bit lower on the list. Oh, yes. But like, oh, yes. But you know, I I think overall, I I think I think I get the hype about him yeah. as an actor now, where I maybe didn't get it before. So I, no, I that's <laughs> very valid because I think this is some of his best acting. I really do. I was yeah. moved by his performance, <laughs> which is not has not happened before. I mean, I'm still gonna make fun of the Willy Wonka prequel, but that's just. Because it's the Willy Wonka prequel. Anyone could be starring in it. Yeah, I mean, maybe he just needs to be in movies with less fruit, and I'll be okay with it. So, you know, (laughs) just putting that out there. But, okay, so outside of... But if you know, you know. (laughs) Outside of our newfound appreciation of Timothy Chalamet, I was, like, pleasantly surprised. I mean, I saw the old miniseries, and I saw the David Lynch, and, and... Obviously, they filmed this one with the intention of, like, getting the sequel. So it's a little vague on the plot a bit. Could have done with a little bit more context. I think the script was probably the weakest point. But, like, goddamn, was it visually beautiful. And I wanted every outfit that Lady Jessica wore. Yeah. So, okay, here, here, I'm going to tell it from a completely different perspective. I had actively refused to see any version of this ever. (laughs) I'm sure your husband loved that about you. Yeah, no, I definitely have never wanted to watch any version of Dune ever. And so I went in not knowing anything. I went in not knowing it was part one of two. Uh, possibly three, Jenny. Look. Depending on how deep they go. I was not expecting to get Fellowship of the Ringed, okay? I was not (laughs) expecting it. Mm-hmm. However, I will say it was visually stunning. I thought it was an interesting story. Like I, I was 
I thought it was, mm-hmm. I liked the special effects and how they portrayed them in this movie was pretty cool. And you know, Bob Voss, Idaho, I'm into that, so. Dude, what is it? Like, they just cast Jason Momoa anytime they need, like, a cool, casual, awesome dude. Because that's, that's it. Like, that's his, that's his dude. had a man bun. <laughs> it was like, okay, let's give Jason Momoa a man bun. Let's give Oscar Isaac a beard. The internet. Dude, I know. I know. Though, when Jason shaved his beard, it took me a moment to be like, okay, what do I think? What do I think? But you know what? I still like him. Oh, yeah. I definitely still like him. I do think a beard gives him a bit of a stronger chin, but I really do. I I liked both. I liked both. I'm not going to complain. Beards are the male contour. It does wonders. I mean, listen, look at what it did for for Chris Evans. I mean, the man's beautiful, but the beard elevates it to a different level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah, no, so I really enjoyed it. I liked liked where it's going. I was definitely disappointed that it was, like, just suddenly abruptly over. And I was like, what? What?" The only other thing that I had, like, it's not even, I didn't even have an issue with it. It just, like, surprised me because I had never seen the movie, any of the movies or the series or whatever. You know, they've got, there's, like, there's, like, 17 title scenes, title screens before any single person talks in this movie. And I'm, like, trying to remember all of these, like, crazy location names and tribe names. And, and it's, like, Paul. And I was, like, Paul? His name is Paul? Like, of all these things, his name is Paul? Well, there's Paul, and then there's Jessica. Yeah, it's like... But then you have, like, you know, all these wacky so, names. It was so odd, and I was just like, it totally threw me for a minute, and then I was, like, looking at my husband, like, what is this ridiculous movie <laughs> you've gotten me into? But then it, it redeemed itself. Yeah, I, I've always been a huge fan of Dune. I... It's fun because it's like a critique on the white savior trope and I always love mm-hmm. that kind of meta. Mm-hmm. And I do think that so far this version is doing a really good job of sort of driving home the fact yes. that like he ain't chosen. He was just totally manipulated into this position thanks to his mom and his like witch aunties. Right. So, you know, it it's funny. It reminded me a little bit of The Green Knight mm-hmm. um, where you have these like twinky little boys thrust into these ridiculous situations all because of their mamas mm-hmm. so i thought that was deeply amusing yeah that but funny. i'm excited that we're getting dune 2 yeah thank god yay i do not understand why warner brothers didn't just film them all at once that was a cruel trick to make me think that we probably weren't going to get a sequel if it didn't do well but i'm right. so glad it did yes phew uh but yeah, man, that's that was a, that was a pleasant surprise. I really was like, mm, yeah, like I guess I'll watch it for Oscar Isaac's beard. Like that was literally that's what I went into it with. Um, and it was beautiful. It was a, it was a beautiful beard. It's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful beard. <laughs> so, what's next, Daria? Ah, yes. Uh, yes. So, for fans of Mike Flanagan. Of The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor fame, we are going to be doing a special two-part episode 
recap on Midnight Mass. We are super looking forward to diving into this uh, short seven-episode series, and we are going to have a lot of thoughts. We'll just put this right up out front. Daria and I both grew up going to the Catholic Church and no longer do. (laughs) So we are, yes, (laughs) we are a part of the, and this is really funny because I, you know, for those of you who don't know, I was a comparative religion major in college. I really just, I was like always battling with my CCD teachers. And I like pretty much was like, no, this isn't for me. Like, this is not my thing. And I took a few classes in college that were like super interesting, mostly from the like logistical kind of standpoint. Like, where do these traditions come from? And, you know, how are they practiced today? And like, can we look at them all on a major scale and yada, yada, yada. So, you know, one of the things that I learned in one of my very first religion classes was like lapsed Catholics is actually a larger community than almost any other Christian religion. <laughs> oh, it always makes me chuckle when I think about it. Okay. Oh, we're going to find out why. We're going to find out why. Yeah. Oh, we are. <laughs> oh, I love shit like this. It's my favorite. And for anyone who has not watched it yet and wants to watch it before next week, we're going to be recapping um, episode one through four. So if you want to make mm-hmm. sure you've gotten those watched um, and, you know, don't worry, just like work through the like sort of trauma response that you have um, from remembering what it's like to go to church. But like, you know. Uh, and if you're not Catholic. I'm sorry, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> I just, you know, and you do want to watch. Yeah. To answer your question, some Catholics are really that fucking weird. And that's really all there is to it. It's true. Like, I know you're probably thinking, like, what is this? What's going on? What are they wearing? What are they eating? What are they, you know? Yeah, some people are really like that. And it's a just strange little place to be. Yeah, but it's a fantastic show. Um, Super entertaining and just super smart. And there's a lot of long monologues, but um, it's really good. Yeah, we are so excited and we hope that you tune in. So... If you want to talk to us further or listen to our previous episodes, you can find us at www.hotelvicarious.com or you can email us all your thoughts at hotelvicarious at gmail.com. You can also find us on socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hotel Vicarious. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for checking in to Hotel Vicarious, and we hope you enjoyed your stay.